Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, we're going to be talking about serving with your gifts and talents as I am joined by coach, award-winning author, and personal growth expert, Kellen Flukiger. Kellen is the founder of The Ultimate Life, and he's a personal growth expert. He shows people how to get purpose, joy, and prosperity in their life by serving with their gifts and talents. So, Kellen, thank you so much for joining me today. You're absolutely welcome, and thank you for saying my name right. You did well, so we're all tuned up, buddy. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate it. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, the man you see today is completely different than I was before 2007. So in the last, some, some stuff happened in 2007, and depending on the show, we may talk about what that was. But since then, I have become an author and a coach, created a a worldwide clientele, written 18 books and a bunch of other stuff that sounds impressive. But the real reason I do what I do is my commitment this year, my year starts October 14th for another reason, another story. But my I'm committed this year to help 50 million people to discover and serve with their gifts so they can truly live what I call the ultimate life, purpose, prosperity, and joy. And I've discovered that Loving and serving those around you is really the way to do that. Not chasing the coin, not chasing the flash, even though that is so worshipped. Literally, we have a religion around that. And I have been there in the old corporate world. And I tell you from my discoveries that using your gifts and loving and serving is the way to real impact and, incidentally, income. Well, you're the founder of The Ultimate Life, so kind of tell us how you got that started and and what's that all about. Well, I spent, I had a 30-year career from 77 to 2007, uh, and I was, had some really high-profile positions, made a lot of money. I had C-suite stuff in the United States and Canada, testified before Congress, a bunch of stuff that sounds really impressive, but I had been raised with a lot of discipline that today would be felony child abuse. And I carried from that a a deep-seated knowledge that I wasn't good enough, that no matter what I did, it wouldn't be okay, it wouldn't be adequate, and that I was constantly in need to prove myself. So I had this weird juxtaposition. Every time I would create success financially and climb the corporate ladder and do that sort of thing, then I had this feeling, well, I don't belong here. I don't deserve this. And so then I would wreck it, burn it down. And then I'd start all over again and I would do it again and build some bigger success. And each time up and down the roller coaster went higher and higher until ultimately I'd been married and divorced three times. I had been in that rehab a bunch of times. I'd attempted suicide twice. And that's, you know, the wreck that I was in 2007 when things all everything changed and realized that I wasn't going to get there from here. And there is happy, satisfied with my life. Yes, I got up and could buy anything I want and go anywhere I wanted and essentially do anything that I wanted. 
But my heart was not flipping happy. I felt no meaning. I would come home and be empty when the lights went down and everything. I'm like, I don't even know who the frick I am. And that was the life that I had created that outside looked big deal. And behind the scenes was a total battlefield and wreck. And I just, you know, made some huge changes in 2007 and started all over again. I literally walked away from the industry I was in and thought, you know what? I'm going to create something different. I don't know how. I don't know the path. I don't even know the steps yet, but I'm going to start over and figure out how to live life that's fun and serve and do some good so that when I look at myself in the mirror, I love who I see instead of hiding and hating and pretending. So that, you know, I've been working on that process for the last 15 years, including writing books and, you know, doing a podcast titled Your Ultimate Life and all the rest just to to fulfill on that dream. And I have. So in pursuing that, I can say today, right now, every single day is a joyful day. Doesn't matter if I feel good or don't feel good. Doesn't matter if people do what I want or don't do what I want. That doesn't affect me anymore because I am on a mission and I love it. I'm doing what I want to do, which is encourage people. I think of coaching as the people encouragement business, you know, and that's really what it is for me. So that's that's the, the story without details of how I switched from corporate gotta do everything and be cool to someone who's truly happy now and enjoys every day. Well, congratulations on that. You you also have, you're a singer and you've performed with a billboard uh, chart topping or billboard choir. So tell us about your songwriting career and, you know, tell us how it was performing with that choir. Thank you. I will. <clears throat> so one of the many things that's happened I was always a musician. I learned to read music when I was a kid. I don't remember not reading music when I was like five. Same time I learned to read. Played the piano all my life, started teaching piano when I was 17. I wanted to go in the music business, write music and do stuff. And the music business was evil, according to my mom, who was the principal administer of the discipline because it was all religion based. And if you go be a musician way, then you're going to be a bad person. We grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area in the years of the hippies. When that first started in 1967 and so forth, I remember the summer of love and that whole nine yards. And so that was the last thing in the world that was okay. It was okay to do music as long as it was for church or the community choir or whatever, actually go make a living. That was death on wheels. So I, I suppressed that essentially, even though I sort of did it on the side furiously. When I finally walked away and I, I started a recording studio in 1982. 81, I guess. And I ran it for many years and I had some artists from A&M and some other record labels in Hollywood. It was in Phoenix and I did a lot of stuff. It was fun. And then at some point in 1992 or three, I had to make a choice because I was working, you know, 16, 17, 18 hours a day between the career job that I had in the studio. And I chose to close the studio because that was, of course, evil. What that did is it destroyed my soul. Essentially, I paved over my own yearnings and pursued the other career, which I was very successful at and created all that money and stupidity I talked about earlier. When I finally walked away from that whole industry in 2007, it freed me up to say, who do I want to be and how can I be of most service? And one of the things I realized I had was not only a gift for music, but a gift for helping people do what they didn't believe they could do. So I did a lot of volunteering in church and community choirs and was the director for small and large and larger and larger 
regional choirs in you know volunteer capacities and i turned them into performing powerhouses later in 2009 i met a fellow two brothers actually who were born and raised in southern california one was a, a pianist who had graduated with a master's in piano performance from juilliard and the other was a composer who graduated from the university of cincinnati with a phd in choral conducting they had teamed up and had started creating choirs that were not like anything else that was going on. It was not like your kind of community choir. They had heavy-duty auditions. You had to read and read well. When we did performances, the entire catalog was memorized. No one had a piece of music on stage. And in that place, that got better and better. And so from 2009 until 2016, when my wife and I moved out of Phoenix, which is where that particular choir was located, I was in that choir and we performed in large concert halls uh, carnegie hall we issued several albums and it was those albums that nels had a volunteer orchestra many of the members of which were the ranking members of the phoenix philharmonic and you know those kinds of organizations who were just thrilled with the opportunity to do something that was purpose-driven and this guy was really driven on classical music and bringing back old stuff and a lot of folk tunes and but doing them at a level that had never been done. And then his brother would write us all kinds of mind-blowing original stuff. So I was on four or five of the albums they produced, three of which charted number one on Billboard when they were released in the, in the classical genre. And that was amazing. The charting was fine. But what was amazing was the passion that they had, the brothers, and the excellence they demanded. And that just drove me to better heights and it improved my coaching because I realized anyone who wants to can achieve this. And so now I really, um, for those that really want coaching, as it were, to get to the next level of whatever they're doing, and they're willing to put in the exercise and stop being married to the excuses and nonsense, uh, they can have it and I can help them do that. And consequently, I have clients all over the world, but they're, there's a similarity. They're willing to go through the fire of change and you know ending excuses and blaming and all the rest so it was a fabulous experience if i hadn't moved out of phoenix i'd still be with them we moved from phoenix to edmonton alberta in the frozen north where we are now to uh, take care of my wife's mother who's 91 and lives with us so i had to leave the choir for that reason <clears throat> if i ever go back to the valley of the sun i will i'll join them again and i'm sure they'll take me back in a heartbeat because i was one of their good guys. So it was fabulous is to answer your question. Absolutely. So tell us about your goal to help 50 million people in the year 2023. So my year starts October 14th. And the story about that is tied up in what happened in August of 2007. I had a goal last year, ending October 14, 2022, to help 10 million people. And I didn't have a really good way to measure it or a really good way to um, tell what I was doing, but I was on like 250 podcasts and I had my own podcast that had, has now 750, then it had, you know, some, some number less episodes of a YouTube channel and just, you know, I was trying everything I could to reach people in addition to clients, but that, you know, the number of clients is way small compared to that kind of number. And then toward the end of that year, which was like August of last year, I was on somebody's podcast and we were talking about stuff and he asked me about that same question only then it was 10 million and i said 
well, I'm doing the best I can. I've got this and this, and I don't know exactly how to measure it. I've got downloads and YouTube watches and, you know, all these things. And he stopped me, and it was after the show. And he looked at me, and he said, your number's too small. He said, I've been on this show with you for an hour, and you have changed my life. I talked to hundreds of people. Me alone is going to account for, and he went on and had a speech for a while, right? And when he got done, I thought, I'll have to do a bigger number. So when October came around, I decided it was 50 million. And you know, the fun thing in making those kinds of declarations and leaning into it with all your heart, stuff starts happening. I reconnected with a woman that I had met 10 years ago, who now has an AM radio show once a month, reaches 8 million people, and she's falling all over herself to get me on her show. I had another lady who's starting a television network. It was her 18th network. She reached out to me and said, I've been following your stuff on social media. I want you as an anchor tenant on my network. We'll re- we're going to reach those people. And so that kind of stuff just keeps happening to reach it. And so that makes me fall more and more in love with the idea. And the number just came from wherever those things come from, intuition, inspiration. And my commitment is bulletproof. And quite frankly, that's all I do. Yes, I have a business, and yes, it's good, and yes, I'm still doing more music, and yes, I'm writing more books, but every single thing, talking to you, having the blessing of talking to your listeners, doing my own podcast, writing more books, teaching a class. I just taught a class Saturday to a group of people on how to have endless energy. You know, all of those things are focused around one thing, and that is helping 50 million people to discover and to make the choice to serve with their gifts. Well, you also say that morning routines matter. Why do you feel that way? Well, does an athlete, and this is a a bit of a silly question, but does an athlete warm up before they go out and hit the court and play the game or afterwards? Definitely before. Okay, cool. So if you have a purpose, if your day is about something that you have declared, here's the cool thing. It doesn't have to matter to anyone else. No one has to agree with your purpose. No one has to agree or approve of anything. That's one of the things I learned in my release of the old way of thinking. If you have a purpose, then warming up is the most important thing you can do so that you're 100% in for your game, for every shot, for every play, for every conversation. So I I have a long morning routine. When I help clients learn to do them, it's about 40 minutes, and I have four sections of 10. My morning routine is about two and a half hours, and I wouldn't skip that for anything, not because I have to, not because someone is keeping score because they're not, but I love how I am and who I am when I do that. And so I'm warmed up for my mission and purpose, the one that I declared, the one that I decided I was going to do. And I'm excited about it every day. And that's why I do them. So for somebody out there who might say, because a lot of people say, oh, well, if you're a podcaster, you need to write a book. But how does somebody really know whether they should write a book or not? Because it's not for everybody. No, it isn't for everybody. And I wasn't an author at all before I, you know, started this whole coaching journey. So The 30 years I spent in the other business, I didn't write very much at all. I wrote some technical papers and stuff, and I didn't consider myself an author. And in fact, I didn't really enjoy writing. Today, I get hired for writing and editing. I don't take much business that way because I don't want to spend my time doing it. But I write well, and I've written a lot of books. 
you ask, how do you know? Well, first of all, answer some questions. Why do you want to write a book? Don't write a book because somebody says you should. Don't do that. You're doing yourself and your future readers a disservice. You might take someone else saying, hey, you should write a book under advisement and think, hmm, why do you think so? What do you think would happen? You might ask some other people, do you think I should write a book? What would I write a book about? If I did, what would you, would you read it? Why would you read it? What do you think would happen? Try to get a sense. And if, and only if, it wakes up a fire in you that says, you know what? I really should. I can do this. I can help this group. And a book, there's nothing like a book to help you organize the events of your life. Most people, in fact, I would say every single person who feels this yearning to help people, which I hear that all the time from people, I, I want to help people. Almost everyone that feels that way has been through some kind of trauma. Some shit show showed up in their life somewhere for a short time or a long time. They have gotten past that or are getting past it. And then the thought, you know, I wish I'd known da 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 how to deal with this and how to think about that and beforehand. I wonder if I should share that. And that thought right there is the genesis. A book, there's nothing like a book to organize what you've learned, how you might share it, and to get it in a form that people will be able to consume in an organized way so they can follow it. The, the structure of a book makes you do that. You can use a book to create a course, online course, or a coaching program, or a workshop that you do, or a keynote speech if you want to have a speaking business. But the book process makes you organize it and create it in a way that almost nothing else does. So do you feel it? Is it burning in you? Why would you write it? Who would you write it for? When people get done with the book, let's say you did, and you know you said, amen, and you know they put the book down, what do you want them to do? Like those kinds of questions are important and they will be your guiding star as you begin to organize your material for writing. Speaking of books, tell us about your books and, and tell the listeners what they can expect when they read your many books. Well, like I said, I wasn't planning on being an author, but it, it sort of happened and now I love it. So the first set of books I wrote was a five volume series on meditation. And it was about how to learn it easy, easily. I don't, you know, tell someone they got to go sit in a pretzel position or they got to have a certain mantra. It is the practice of learning to be still with yourself. So I explore a number of different methods and just try to help people get in the habit of being still with themselves to quiet the mind. It's amazing how bad we are at that most of the time. So I wrote a five-volume series on the meditation practice itself, and then one of the volumes is how to apply it to health healing and wellness, and how to apply it to personal achievement, and how to apply it to learning and the creative process, and how to apply it to developing your own spirituality. So those are the five volumes. <clears throat> then I wrote a book about me. I hadn't actually planned on doing that. So I wrote, wrote, a, wrote a book called Tightrope of Depression, my journey from darkness, despair, and death to light love. And that whole period of mess, I'd attempted suicide a couple of times. And I just told the story. It wasn't angry memoir yelling at anyone. It was describing my life through that and then past the 2007 wake-up call and the beginning parts of healing, and I was done. And then I wrote an album of music um, called The Name of the Black, and it has 11 songs on it, and it tells stories from that book. As soon as I got done, I realized I wasn't done, so I wrote the sequel called Down from the Gallows, 
in keeping with the rope theme. And that talks just about the daily battles and struggles of a creative with depression. And I wrote an album of music with that called Promise and Power. So the music continues to play a role. Then I wrote a book called uh, The Results Equation, which is a business book. It's a book about how to get anything done. Because what I noticed in my years as a high-powered, so to speak, high-powered consultant is that the process of getting stuff done is the same. It doesn't matter if you're building a house or creating some new software. There are very powerful similarities about organizing, planning, discipline, mindset, and all the things. So I created an equation called the results equation. And so I wrote that book. Then somewhere in there, I uh, died in June of 2018. So four and a half years ago, I contracted a fatal illness uh, and ICU at the University of Alberta Medical Center here in Edmonton, my heart stopped. I died and I had a something you never expect or think you'll have, but I had a near-death experience and some conversations. And with God at the door between life and eternity, I made a choice to come back. And so that spawned a couple more books. One's called, not surprisingly, Meeting God at the Door, Conversations, Choices, and Commitments of a Near-Death Experience. Uh, there's a couple of other follow-ons. One's called Walking Without Fear. Then I wrote a book, my most recent one is a book on forgiveness uh, called A Journey of Courage, Forgiveness. The name of it's Forgiveness, A Journey of Courage to a Place of Freedom and Power. The reason I wrote that is because I discovered all this stuff that I wrote about from my own journey and from clients I work with. It's a discovery that we carry baggage. We carry bitterness and anger toward people that have hurt us in some way, and maybe permanently, and maybe we have some permanent damage. We carry this baggage around, or we carry a lot of self-loathing and hate. Like we suck and we'll never be over this and I'll never forgive myself for this, that, and the other. And here's the truth. The truth is you're free to hate somebody forever. You're free to never forgive yourself for X, Y, Z. But if we choose to do that, all that happens is you dramatically limit your ability to do good and have the ultimate life today. So a more sane choice is to forgive. That doesn't mean pretend things didn't happen. It doesn't mean sweep them under the carpet. It means allow anger to dissipate, allow whatever mechanisms for justice they are to get handled, either in this world or in karma in the world to come. It's not ours to do. And carrying that permanent burden is just a pile of rocks we don't need to carry. For me, the worst side of that coin was because I'd been a drug addict and a bunch of other stuff. I felt like I'd done a really bad job with my 10 children, which I had 10 kids in the course of the three marriages. And I felt like I'd done badly and they were happy to blame every misfortune in their lives on their rotten dad. And I allowed that for a long time. And it then made me feel like, oh no, though I did everything I could to fix stuff, lots of that kind of emotional stuff you can't ever fix. So after doing what I could, I simply opened my heart with love and said, I'm going to forgive myself. Those mistakes were real. I can't change them. And it unburdened me and will unburden you in terms of your ability to do good today. So that's probably most of the books that I've written. There's probably three or four more in there somewhere, but that's what they're about. Well, besides helping those 50 million people, do you have any current upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about? I do. So <clears throat> in the process of helping 50 million, I have several avenues. And all of these projects that I'm working on that I'm going to tell you about are part of that. One of them is the podcast, Your Ultimate Life. We're on episode 750. And I love interviewing people that are trying to help people in the world because I love having a platform 
with a large audience to help them add good to the world. Another thing I have is I've gone back last week was the first week to uh, LA Talk Radio, which I was on uh, for a year and a half in 2014 and 15, or is it 13, 14, 15? I don't know, about 18 months. And um, now they're on video and audio. So I do a live stream every Tuesday night at 4 p.m. Pacific. And I have guests on there also with the idea of helping them reach their audience because LA Talk Radio has got a large listener base. And so I I provide that because, again, my goal 50 million is to help people do serve with their gifts. I have a television program that I told you about that lady. That's coming out next, the end of this month. The first episode is, or the first season of 10 episodes is called Creatives Save the World. And that's all filmed and in the can. We're doing some editing and stuff. And some of those episodes will be out by the end of the month. And then on top of that, I have two more books that I'm writing. One is the conclusion of the Tightrope Trilogy. So the second book came and the third one is outlined and underway and it'll be done, I hope this year, April, May, June, somewhere in there. And also a lot of music with that also. So I've got 15 songs, probably 11 of them are written and recording those telling stories from the book. And the fun project for me is I'm doing a lot more singing again and with Restream and you know, other live platforms, I'm able to perform live. And so I'm experimenting with that. And so all those projects are going on and they're all in service of the 50 million. So I guess besides the 50 million, the answer is nothing, but all of those are pieces of that effort. What the let your contact information so people can keep up with you and, and your journey and everything that you're up to. So the fun part is I've started about 75 days ago doing a daily live stream. It goes to five Facebook places and LinkedIn and YouTube called Road to 50 Million. And every day I talk about something that's going on in life and offer a lot of encouragement for people to discover and serve with their gifts, that kind of thing. And so that's something that is every day. When you have a weird name like Kellen Flukiger, you can't really hide. So you can find me everywhere. I'm not on uh, like TikTok. I don't don't participate in that. But I'm on Facebook and easily findable, LinkedIn, YouTube, and I think Instagram. And so if you want to connect, do that. If you want, you know, some info that yourultimatelife.ca is a website and it's .ca because I'm in Canada. But anyway, yourultimatelife.ca is a place where you can get some free stuff and explore. And But most of all, the way to benefit yourself and bless your own life is to take firm decisions. And what I mean by that is I was never going to get out of my addiction and the mess that I was in until I put my foot down or slam my fist on the table or however you want to characterize it. And I'm done with this old stuff. And I don't know the path forward. And I don't know what it's going to take. And I don't know where I have to go or what I have to do. But I'm going there. And that absolute bulletproof declaration was the start of everything. Close us out with some final thoughts, maybe something that I fail to touch on that you would like to touch on or just any final thoughts you have for the listeners. So I do always have several of those. And today I want to tell you that it, it doesn't matter where you've been or what's happened to you. You can let your past continue to bury you, block you, prevent you and create excuses for you. Or you can, you know, you can say, no, I won't. I just was starting a new book today written by one of the last survivors 
of the World War II concentration camps called The Choice by Dr. Edith Eager. And besides Viktor Frankl, she's the only other living person that I know that survived that. And both of those authors talk about choice. So I, I fully acknowledge bad things have happened to everybody, some way worse than others. Regardless of that, here's the final, here's the point. Doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you are now. It's never too late to change direction and start. They don't write stories about those that give up and die, either actually or emotionally. The point is to keep moving in the direction of who you see yourself. And if you don't like how you see yourself, then change it. Get the help you need. That was my first step and what I hadn't done for all those years before. So don't give up. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what's happened before. Turn the page. Start a new day and get moving. Get moving, ladies and gentlemen. Also, get to following, rating, reviewing. Share this episode to as many people as possible. Check out Kellen on on his live stream and get his books and Check out the podcast, the Ultimate Life, and everything that he's up to. If you have any feedback for this show, hit me up at cjackson102 at cox.net. Kellen, thank you so much for joining me today. You are more than welcome. And again, I want to honor you for the good that you're doing. I want to honor you for the work, the labor of love that it is a podcast, because it is, and your effort to add good to the world and do good stuff. So I'm honored to be here with you. And I'm definitely honored to have you, and I'm sure my listeners will be honored to hear you. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.